Hello, this is Pastor Jimmy Harper. Thanks for listening to this Lee University broadcast. We're excited that you are joining us today for one of our many campus events. We hope that you are encouraged as you listen. Gracious God, as we continue to pray to you without ceasing, praying to you in the noisiness of our lives and in the quietness in which we must confront ourselves. We have much more to say to you, Lord, and we have much to listen to you. Father, we ask that you would indeed have mercy upon us and forgive us of those things that have become boundaries between us and you and your children in this world. Forgive us, Father, of seeking safety and security rather than listening to your call and going forth and touching those who may be very different than us. Father, forgive us of even the sins that we know not that we have done, but those things that creep up in our minds, the temptations, the words that we use that do not give life but kill. And Father, help us to forgive ourselves. Forgive us for holding on to regrets and self-pity. But Father, we ask that in this moment that you would break the chains of regret and guilt and that through that forgiveness that we receive, that we would be freely to forgive others who have hurt us. Oh God, wonderful and beautiful God, we praise you for your Son who you have sent to live and dwell in our midst so that we may gain access to speak to you freely, forgiven and set free to do your will. We love you, Father, and we ask your Holy Spirit, now and forever, in the name of Jesus Christ. We come to you praying that prayer that our Lord taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. As we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The assurance of pardon comes to us from God's holy word, from Romans 5. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and thus be confident of entering into heaven, not by our efforts, but rather through the assurance of peace. On this Reformation Day, we look back to our ancestors, to the Reformers, and we hear the prayers that they prayed, and we take them and we use them as our own. Please pray to our Lord with me the prayer of illumination, which was first spoken upon the lips of Ehrlich Zwingli. 
Almighty, eternal, and merciful God, whose word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, open and illuminate our minds that we may purely and perfectly understand your word and that our lives may be conformed to what we have rightly understood, that in nothing we may be displeasing unto your majesty, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Old Testament lesson this morning comes to us from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61. Listen now for a word from our Lord. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness from the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens and strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance, and so they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples, and who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the soil makes the sprouts come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all the nations. This concludes the reading from Isaiah 61. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Sounds like my 745 class this morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm reading this morning from Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 14 in just a moment. The reason I sat on the platform this morning was not to be seen, but the last time I went up and down these steps, I fell on my schnozola. And I was talking to a student later and talking when he brought it up, by the way, and uh, I said something about, but at least I fell gracefully. 
And he looked at me straight in the eyes and said, nah, wasn't that way at all. I'm reading from Romans 1, verses 14 through 17, a passage that is a good focal point at any time from the pulpit, but especially on Reformation Day, as we are celebrating today and tomorrow, this seems to be particularly appropriate, and I will ask God's blessing on his word even before we offer it. Romans 1, beginning with verse 14. Paul says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. This is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The book of Romans is a favorite book in all of scripture for a whole lot of folks, including me. It was written in the mid-50s, not too long after our Lord went back to heaven. Written, of course, by Paul, and many consider this probably as the major epistle of Paul, if not one of the major letters or pieces of literature in the scriptures themselves. In the first eight chapters, of the book of Romans, which stand as sort of a unit. Paul talks about theology in depth, and he talks about some personal reflections and some personal applications as well. Then he moves on in verses nine through 11 to talk about Israel as being the elect of God and has a number of things to say about the future. And then in the last several chapters, 12 through 16, he gives personal insight and he gives practical application of all that he has discussed. I think the words that I read this morning set the tone for the whole book. In fact, these words in Romans 1 set the tone for just about everything that Paul had to say whether it happened to be straight doctrinal or by application, this passage sticks nevertheless. Reference has already been made to our being in the Reformation season. And I think that this would be a good time to reflect on the Reformation as a movement so vital to the history of all of us and remind you that on October 31, 1517, Martin Luther did the unthinkable. He nailed to the door of the church at Wittenberg, Germany, what are called 95 Theses. I can just imagine that he stood back and looked at those and asked God's blessing. I can also imagine that many of the peasants 
who came to the church or by the church that day and saw this Latin from the top to the bottom of the notification perhaps, they may have shaken their heads not being able to read it and said this is just another theological squabble among the monks and others. They searched out matters that would relate more to what we call a bulletin board because of those great big oaken doors of medieval village churches were bulletin boards. I can just imagine that the 95 theses were posted next to a veritable swap and shop. Right next to those theses there might have been in very poor German an announcement written with a name, not a phone number, but a name that said I want to swap a pig for five chickens or something of that nature. It was a town bulletin board. I had the privilege to go to Wittenberg some years ago and I wanted to see the doors to, those, to that church and go into that church. And I was told that the doors on which Luther had placed his 95 theses were burned in 1746, but the doors on there now are as close to what we can imagine the doors in Luther's day might have been. I didn't see any swap and shop type of announcements. I didn't see the 95 theses on the door, but I did have a lot of anticipation to go beyond those doors and see what uh, God had provided on the inside. The word Halloween means hallowed evening, October 31, and November 1 is called All Saints Day or November 1. November 1 was a day that every Christian looked forward to because there was rejoicing. There was thanking of the Lord for those saints in scripture and those saints since and some in that community and all that they meant to the people that they knew. It was on this door that Luther, doors like this, that Luther had placed the 95 Theses. I can imagine that people in Luther's time certainly did come by and say things that would discount the importance of what Luther had put on the bulletin board, but it was indeed a wonderful time. On Halloween night, the hallowed evening before All Saints Day, it was believed that the devil released most of the goblins of hell and they went abroad doing everything they could to capture and captivate people's souls before the midnight hour would come and All Saints Day would begin. So it's my understanding that our looking back on Halloween and our dressing in uh, suits that look like ghosts and goblins has a historical, an historical basis. It's too bad, however, that we put more emphasis in our culture on Halloween than we do on All Saints Day and that we do on the Reformation. I had a teacher one time who was um, talking about the 95 Theses, and I guess that some of us were getting a little drowsy in this seminar. So he said something about we can't quite be sure about the procedure 
on October 31, 1517. But he said that we know these no that these notices were applied. He said uh, we don't know if they were nailed or whether they were mailed, but at least they were posted. And that went across then, just about like it went across this morning. Luther, I don't know how much he wanted to, came back to Wittenberg to teach, at, well, he had been at the university teaching and to pastor as well. We are told that the first time that Luther went to Wittenberg where he would spend his adult life and become indeed a notable reformer, that when he first went there, he called Wittenberg a filthy, stinking city on the outskirts of civilization. He probably said that because there was a stench in the air because of salt mines and breweries. I didn't have that experience when I was there, so that is one part of the history that completely eluded me. One of the things that I appreciate personally about this season is that I was converted on Halloween night in 1948. You're adding up right now to see how old I am. I was in church, the Church of God in Easton, Maryland, on a Monday night, Halloween. What is a 13-year-old kid doing in church on Halloween night and a Monday at that? Because my mother said I had to be there, thank the Lord for mothers like that, it looks a lot simpler and it makes a lot more sense as the years go by than it did at that particular time. I remember hearing the gospel. I can't tell you how it was preached or what the sermon topic was or what the text was, but I do know that God touched my heart and I gave my heart to Christ. It's made all the difference in the world. 1948, 64 years ago. It seems to me that each of us could take Reformation Day in a very personal way. And you could look back to the time no matter how recent, or you could look back to the time no matter how far back it seems, and reflect on what Reformation means to you. Reformation to us as Christians does not mean simply changing our way of life. It means that our way of life has been changed because of what Jesus has done. One of the things we want to remember is that Luther's major thrust in his preaching, as Paul's in his opening to the book of Romans, was justification by faith. The sin has been taken away. Now, in your doctrinal classes, you will study a number of the doctrines of salvation, like justification, regeneration, sanctification. Regeneration means the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at salvation. Sanctification means that every day we are growing more and more like Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
and we are becoming, hopefully, more mature Christians. But justification has nothing to do with what the Spirit does in us. Justification, I don't want to say, is merely a statement of God, but it's a statement of God, a pronouncement of God from God's observation that makes the other possible. We can be born again now that the sins are gone. We can experience sanctification now that the sins are gone. Justification means that the guilt for sins that we have incurred no longer stands between, between God and us, but we are justified. The sins that we have committed do not leave a lasting guilt on us, but the guilt is taken away. And when the guilt is taken away, then all of these other blessings that God gives spiritually, like the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, like sanctification, like calling in life, will be able to occur. So this is a time of great personal relevance for me, given the fact that I was saved on Halloween, most unlikely thing, I think, and have lived in the strength thereof, just as you have ever since. I believe that two words in the text that we read today are the two words that need to be underlined in red or circled or something by faith. We are acceptable to God only by faith. This is not a work, this is not exercising a human resource, but the Holy Spirit gives faith, which we allow or disallow to work in our lives when we hear the gospel. Paul is quoting Habakkuk 2.4 in this passage that I read in Romans about the just shall live by faith. So bear in mind that we are justified, the sins are gone, not because of our works, they won't do it. Not because of our status, whatever that may be in whatever regard, that just won't work. Certainly not by purchase, there is no way to purchase spiritual blessing, but it is simply by that which God initiates anyway, faith in him. Justified by faith, not only are we saved in that regard, but the by faith part of it opens a wide door for everything else that God wants to do. He wants to do it in your lives at the university. He wants to do it when you leave, hopefully a little bit of it was done before you came. But my prayer for you is that you will not be the same person when you leave, whenever that will be. After all those tough term papers are turned in and all the exams are over and you say, praise the Lord, you can say, praise the Lord as well for what happened to me in chapel, what happened to me in the dorm and devotions or whatever. The just shall live by faith. May God bless us all in that regard. Amen. Indeed, we are reformed and always reforming. 
Martin Luther had no intentions of breaking away from the Catholic tradition. He simply wanted to reform it. But sometimes change comes and breaks us for the better. But Catholics and those reformed alike, there are those things that we can stand and agree upon that unite us. Therefore, please stand for the response of the word. From our ancestors long ago to this very moment, for your children's sake, people of God, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please bow with me. Let's pray. O gracious God, you are greatest joy. We give thanks and praise to you this day. Creator, ruler of the universe, in your wisdom you made all things and you have sustained us all by your power. You formed us in your image, setting us in this world to love and to serve you and to live in peace with your whole creation. And when we rebel against you, Father, you refuse to leave us. You do not reject us, but you claim us as your own. We are no longer orphans. You sent prophets to call us back to your ways. You sent our ancestors to hear your words and to write them down. And in the fullness of time, you sent your great love for us into this world. You sent your Son to redeem us and to heal our brokenness. Therefore, Father, we praise you, joining our voices with the choirs of angels, with the prophets, the apostles, the martyrs, all with the faithful of every time and every place who gather in your name, who forever sing to the glory and the praise of your Son. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, as we leave this place so that we can truly be reformed and always reforming. In the name of Jesus Christ, by your power and for your glory. Amen.